Man, what a great morning. I want to say welcome to all of you. If this is your first time at LifePoint Church, we want to say a big welcome to you especially. My name is Mike Burnett. I get to serve here as lead pastor. It's so great to be with all of you, uh, whether you're in the room or online, especially if it's your first time. If you would take a moment and just, like Pastor Mark said, just text LPC to 31996 or you can fill out a connection card. We'd love to follow up with you. Again, welcome to you. And as you just saw on the video, our church partners uh, with Convoy of Hope and their One Day to Feed the World. And we are in 21 days of prayer right now. Uh, we're starting week two. Yeah, this has been great. 21 days of prayer. And uh, part of our partnership with Convoy of Hope is we connect our 21 day fast in January with them and also 21 days of prayer in August. Really, uh, we're asking you to pray over the nation, pray over the city, pray over your family. In fact, I want to ask you if you would pray for your church. We've had, uh, we're, we're just in a, a really odd season again as a nation. And it seems like um, concerns with COVID and the realities of COVID are spiking with a new variant and all that kind of stuff. But here's the thing that is making me nervous, not nervous, but just something that I keep praying about. Like people are tired of this and they're turning their fatigue of that towards one another. And man, I'm just telling you, hey, church, listen, here, here's what we've said about COVID the whole time. Like we, we don't dis, the, dismiss the fact that this is a very real virus and any pastor uh, that has been a part of a funeral for COVID uh, realizes the impact that this is having on families, et cetera. But here's what we're not gonna do is turn against one another because of their, how they're walking out their own healthcare. So whatever your decisions are, I respect and honor you and your decisions to do that. And let's be respectful and honoring to one another, whether you want a mask or if you choose to get the vaccine or you don't, or you don't wear a mask. Listen, I, I want us to be respectful and honorable. And what I wanna pray over specifically, one of the things related to that is that we don't come apart from one another as a body of Christ. And man, I don't know if you're noticing this, but it is like crazy toxic out, out there. Y'all seeing this besides me or am I just watching the wrong news channel? Like, um, stay in prayer. We've got some folks in our church that are fighting this right now and um, fighting COVID and family members that are affected. So we're praying during 21 days of prayer for that. Our, our world just needs prayer and our world needs Jesus. We need miracles, we need healing. We've not been given a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. Please don't forget who you are in Christ. But we've also been given a power, love, and a sound mind, which means we're going to be wise, we're going to be smart, and that doesn't mean you need to be a smart aleck. Come on, that was good. <laughs> so let's be peaceful as pertains to you. Get along with everybody. Don't be picking fights. Um, but we are, <clears throat> one of the things we're praying about is at the end of this 21 days where I've asked you, would you pray about above your regular tithing and giving, would you give one day's wages to help feed kids around the world? And with Convoy of Hope, through our One Day to Feed the World initiative, currently we're, we're feeding 387,000 kids every day, their biggest meal of the day. And thank you for your generosity towards that. We have a longstanding partnership with Convoy of Hope, but I'm asking you, would you pray about going another step? And whatever, here, here's what you do. You take whatever your annual income is and divide it by 250. That's about the average working days of a year, 250 days, 50 weeks times five days. Of course, that doesn't account for holidays and whatever, and you're bougie if you get six weeks off. Okay, fine. But it's a good way to do round numbers. And in, in our community in Middle Tennessee, the average income divided by 250 days would be about $214 a day is what the average income is. Would you just pray about God? Do you want us to give a day's wages to help people out and figure out the math for yourself? But I'm telling you, your giving will go so far and 100% of your giving for that. We'll take a big offering at the end of this month. We'll have it online and in the room. 100% of your giving towards one day to feed the world will make a difference for kids all around the world. Isn't that great news, everybody? Thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity. But we're in 21 days of prayer, so I'm gonna start this service 
with the time of prayer. Can I ask everybody if you would, come on, just open your hands to the Lord. Father, we love you and we worship you and I thank you that you're a good God. You're still faithful. You've not left us, God. You, you are still faithful to us. Your word says in Romans, does our lack of faithfulness to you nullify the faithfulness of God to us? And Paul says, absolutely not. You are always good. You're always holy. You're always faithful. Lord, we pray right now for our families. We pray, Lord, for our church family. We pray, Lord God, for our, our nuclear families, our home lives, Lord God. We pray in Jesus' name that the spirit of the living God would reign in our homes and in our hearts. We pray, Lord God, for forgiveness for one another. We pray, God, that we would be restored relationally to one another. We pray for holiness in our houses. Come on, everybody, if you agree with that, just shout amen. Lord, we pray for purity in our families. We pray that husbands and wives would love one another, Lord God, and that we'd stay true to each other and keep our eyes on one another. We pray for kids, that our kids would serve the Lord, that, that our kids that are far from God would return to the Lord. We pray for single dads and single moms and, and those who are single again, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name for a special dose of encouragement and presence of the Holy Spirit for the single parent who's grinding it out, carrying two loads, working extra hard and never seeming to get a break. Lord God, would you encourage and lift up our single parents in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for young couples who are flourishing and, and those who are alone, Lord God. Everyone on the spectrum of families in this church that belong to LifePoint Church and our church family. Lord, we pray for just the presence of God to meet us during this season. Lord, may we walk in holiness. May we walk in repentance before the Lord. May we walk full of the Holy Spirit with a passion for the things that you're passionate about. Now, Lord, we pray just a hedge of protection is what your Bible calls it. The word calls it in Psalm 91 that you would give your angels charge around us Lord, to watch over us and to keep us. God, we pray for healing in Jesus' name. Not only as we have numerous folks in our church that are battling COVID-19 right now, Lord, do we pray for a miraculous touch of God to bring healing to them, staff members, dream team members, family members, church attenders, Lord God. We pray for a miracle of God to touch their lives in Jesus' name. I remember a year ago when I had COVID, Lord, there was something so miraculous. I'd lost taste and smell. And with a prayer from my pastor, God, you healed me and restored taste and smell within 10 minutes of his prayer. And I thank you, Lord God, that you're still a healer. And I pray for that in Jesus' name. Lord, would you help us to walk in wisdom and favor with God and with people? Lord, help us to, to do what's best for our families, to do as we are led by the Spirit of God. And Lord, may nothing that's going on in our world divide this church. May nothing that's going on in our culture, our, our, our communities, divide the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, you prayed in John 17 that we would be one and united together as the Father and the Son are one in unity. Lord, I pray for this house. I pray for this church that, God, we'd be united around our mission, around our vision, around Jesus, around loving one another. To God be the glory. Now, Lord, would you move in this service today? Help us to hear from you. Be transformed by the preaching of the word of God. We thank you for this time of worship that we had today. Lord, as we sang today, we speak the name of Jesus. We love you. We're all in. We're ready to hear from you, God. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for being a generous church. Thank you for being a great church. We got, like he said, our men's night, our Austin P campus, freedom group starting. There's so many exciting things that are happening. And I want to encourage you to take steps towards the things that God is doing in your church as we are continuing in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 5, um, we, we saw last week a very challenging passage where Ananias and Sapphira had lied, trying to lie to the church, but really Peter calls them out and said, Satan's filled your heart and you've lied to God. But how many of you know God is never, um, you just can't pull one over on him, you can't fool him, you know what I'm saying? 
And man, what a, what a, what a crazy and awful experience for Ananias and Sapphira. Um, but what happened as a result of that to the body of Christ is phenomenal. I mean, the, the body of Christ, the Christians, after the death of Ananias and Sapphira for their deception and their, their lying, trying to lie to God, their immediate death actually brought fear and reverence for God to the church. In other words, they thought, our God is holy. Like, he's not playing around with this. The mission of God matters a lot to the Lord. It should matter to us. And it says that great fear came over everyone when that thing happened. And I started, you know, I've reflected on that passage a number of times this week, thinking, what would I do if that happened at LifePoint? Anybody else think about that at all? Like, yeah, maybe the third service folks did, you know. I just wonder, like, what would we do? How would we respond? And I think in the culture that we're living in, we want God to behave on our terms. But sometimes when God behaves on his terms, we just don't like it. But how many of you know he's still God, whether you like it or not? And he gets to set the terms of how he is towards us. And even in difficult moments, like we saw in that passage last week, the appropriate response is to lean into the holiness and the goodness of God and to pursue him further. So what happens as a result and following really the first four and a half chapters that we've studied is revival continues to break out. It's so amazing. Like a lot of times when Jesus in his ministry would do something powerful, deliver someone from demons, preach a hard message, you'd see where the disciples scattered, people left him. In fact, one place in Luke 14, I think it is, he turns to the people and he's like, if you're gonna follow me, it's gonna cost you everything. You have to love me more than your own family. You have to love me more than your own wife, your own kids, your own self. And, and the scripture says that at that moment, many of his disciples left him. In John chapter six, same thing. He's hard teaching, disciples leave him. But now in this new covenant, in this new church, when there's a hard moment, we see the disciples leaned in, which I think is the appropriate response that we give to God. And God continued to flourish within the body of Christ. So that's where we pick up. If you missed last week's message, go grab it online. Man, God delights in holiness. God desires that we walk in holiness. We saw that last Sunday. But we're picking up in Acts chapter five and I've titled the message today. Um, sorry, this was, I was supposed to do these earlier. I've titled the message today, God's blessings on a healthy church. And what we've seen so far in the book of Acts is this picture of a healthy church. And they're brand new. They, weren't even, they didn't have a model. They were creating the model. But we see this healthy church thriving and growing and starting in the book of Acts. And then we see God's blessings. Even God's blessing of purging sin. How many of you know that's a blessing when God sets you free from stuff? Even the blessing of God to purge sin out of their midst. We see the blessing. So I want to I look at the next six verses. It's a small passage. And it almost seems like this narrative to get us to the next thing, kind of like this one thing led to another. And then we get to the next chapter, part of the chapter in verse 17, which we'll look at the rest of chapter five next week. But we're going to look at this little passage, verse 12 through 16. We're going to see God's blessing on a healthy church. And then I want to ask you, how many of you would say that you want God's blessing on your church? How many of you would say you want God's blessing on your family? Anybody? How about on your business? How about at your job? Anybody want the Lord's blessing on your neighborhood? How about God's blessing on your kids and your marriage or your singleness? Have you ever thought about praying for, listen, I want to I invite you into my prayer life. Have you ever thought about praying for and praying towards and working towards God's blessing on your church? Thank you, two people. 
For all the rest of you that go to LifePoint, have you ever prayed about God's blessing on your church? What I mean by it, do you give consideration to your church beyond the Sunday experience? And I'm not talking about the LifePoint Church hour that you attend, but I'm talking about being a people who are known to walk with the blessings of God, where it's evident that God's blessings are in our home, no matter what our situation is, that, that God's power is flowing in our lives, that, we're, that they're regularly present in and among us as the people of God. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about being a blessed people who also attend a blessed church. Does anybody else desire that for this people group? Like, I think what happens in the, the modern American church, you know, we, we're so siloed into our experience. We come in, we get our seat, our parking spot, we do our hour, and then we leave. But listen, the, the, the way of the New Testament is that we're a church family. And I don't want to think of church as an experience on Sunday. I want to think of the church family as a family of God's people all the time, all week long. And the blessings of God should not just appear on a Sunday morning during a service. The blessings and the power of God are in the body of Christ all the time. One of the criticisms of a church like ours is when folks will say, well, they don't have, you know, this or that experience happen in the altars or during the church on Sunday morning. Now, I come from a Pentecostal tradition and the mark of the move of God in a church service is with how many people fell down and if somebody spoke in tongues and if the pastor went off his notes and the worship just went the whole time. And we've judged whether or not a church has the spirit based on how uh, the activities of the Sunday hour happen. I think we should be judged by whether or not we have the spirit by the lives we live 168 hours a week. And more than how God moves when we gather, how's God moving through you when we're scattered as the people of God? So we don't need to just be Christians for an hour on Sunday. We walk in the spirit of God. We walk in the power of God. And that's how we see the book of Acts church. It never says, and the miracles of God happened for an hour and a half on Sunday when the band was really good. Has anybody else fallen prey to that attitude about local church service? I'll tell you, as the pastor, I've taken a ton of criticism for that, that we're not spiritual enough. And I go, wait a minute, lives are being changed. People are shifting jobs to follow the call of God in the ministry. That's like Monday through Saturday stuff. Marriages are being restored. That's not just within the hour on a Sunday. Are you kidding? God's spirit is moving in this church. And so that's the kind of stuff, when I talk about, do you pray about being a blessed church? I'm not talking about having a blessed experience. I'm talking about being a blessed people. When you leave here all week long knowing, man, I'm anchored into a church family. I belong to a community of faith and it's all centered on a life following Jesus. And man, the blessings of God are flowing in our lives as a result. Listen, I pray for this all the time. I invite you into this prayer with me as we're in 21 days of prayer. It's not that I just pray for a blessed Sunday morning. Frankly, like as a pastor, we have this constant pressure that Sunday's always coming. You can't slow it down. You can't pause it. You can't like, like I'm always living with a sermon. You ever, you remember in school when you always have a paper due? I live like that all the time because I always have a paper due. It's called the sermon I bring you. But I don't, we don't just focus the church on the Sunday hour. And that's what we're going to see in the book of Acts. They weren't just a blessed experience. They were a blessed people because they were healthy in how they did Christianity all the time. You got to start seeing your church as your church family. It's not just a church service. 
We don't just want to have a blessed hour. I'm repeating myself, but that's because I got ahead of my notes. See what I did there? We want to walk in the blessings of God for seven days a week because we are his blessed people. So I hope that's what you want. That in addition to an amazing Sunday morning, that was just a softball. In addition to an amazing Sunday morning, that your Mondays will be powerful too. That your Tuesdays will be prayer moments where you lay hands on the sick and the sick recover and you don't need to bring them to your church on a Sunday or get them to the pastor's office. That you walk in the power of God and the blessing of God and the favor of God. That you'd be generous on Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays, not just Sunday at Sunday lunch because your pastor said be a good tipper. But that we're always generous, that we would love God's word every day, not just when your pastor brings a message on a Sunday. So as we've studied the book of Acts so far, there's amazing attributes to this early church. And I wanna, I wanna recap some of those. There's some powerful commitments. They dealt with suffering and persecution. They went to jail over this. How many of you ain't been to that part of Christianity yet? They stayed faithful to God. They stayed faithful to each other. And here's what we're gonna see today. They saw miracles like crazy. I don't know about you, but I wanna be a church with some miracles. That when we lay hands on the sick, we just expect them to get well. Instead of going, I'm going to try this. Oh, man, Lord, you know, hey, God's, God, it's God's will. I'm just going to do my, I don't know if it's going to happen. But that when we lay hands on sick folks, that we just expect that God's still healing. That's what happened to me a year ago when I had COVID and I was quarantined in my basement. Um, I lost my sense of taste and smell, which was my only, I had a fever for like half a day, but really that was my major symptom. But you remember a year ago, last March, I mean, I thought I was going to explode when I got, we didn't know what COVID was going to do. And so one day my pastor calls me after two weeks, he let me suffer in the basement. <laughs> and he calls me from my pastor from Knoxville and he goes, Mike, what's going on with you? I go, well, pastor, thank you for checking on me. Um, I know how y'all feel now when you don't always get a call from me. That's why we have a team and that's why you have small groups. So please don't leave this story with greater expectations. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, thanks for calling. And he goes, what's going on with you? Well, I got the COVID. And he said, well, how are you feeling? I said, fine, except I can't smell and taste. He's like, that's not good. And um, honestly, it worked out great a couple times. Um, so I was stuck in my basement for uh, 15 days and I didn't know uh, what anything smelled like, <laughs> including the basement. <laughs> As I sat there for days at a time, <laughs> one day my wife came down to, to like, dropped me off my food. I called her my warden. You know, she dropped me off food on a plastic plate. No joke. And uh, she goes, what? Ooh, what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I don't notice any of it. It's great to me. <laughs> Apparently all that celery she was giving me. But anyway, so stay focused. So my pastor's like, well, I'm gonna pray right now that God heal you. And I'm gonna believe that God heal you now. On the other, uh, he's in Knoxville. I'm on, I, we had had church online that morning and I was doing a bunch of follow-up stuff with our team. He said, I'm gonna pray that God heal you right now. So he prayed for me and he didn't get all fired up. He couldn't lay hands on me. He couldn't even touch me. And he prays for me. And I went outside on my back patio and I come back inside. And you know, when you walk into a room, you can smell it like the smell of a room. That's the first moment I noticed that I could smell. And I walked back in and I smelled the room and I was like, oh, this is great. And I had like a cologne bottle and I was like, oh, it smells amazing. You know, and I called him. I was like, I want you to know 10 minutes after I hung up with you, I'm totally, I'm healed. I'm healed again. And he goes, well, I knew God was going to heal you. <laughs> because we should always carry that expectation that God wants to use us and move through us and do miracles in us. Listen, we have the indication that the people of God in the book of Acts, they just walked in God's power all the time. They were committed to God's word 
and prayer every day. They were faithful and generous to one another every day. They were blessed and healthy. And that's what I believe God wants for us. So I want you to write these three words down. What if we learned from the book of Acts Church how to belong to God and to each other well? What if that's the first thing we learned from them? How do we belong to each other well? Like how do we come here, have a church where people can belong before believing right, they can belong just by coming in and we just have open arms and we can see the favor of God because we are an inviting church where anyone's welcome to belong here. What have we learned from them so far how to belong? And then what if we learned from them how to believe appropriately in the fullness of God, in the power of God, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So notice, you'll, you'll see that the, the disciples were gathered together before they had right theology and before they ever saw anything happen actively. So before they believed what God could do, they belonged to one another. And then they second believed, they learned to believe. What if we learned from them how to believe in the full power of God? And then what if we learned from them in this ch- book how to behave like they did with prayer and community and faithfulness and generosity, and laying hands on the sick. And they even behaved to the point that they preached the gospel all the time, even if it got them imprisoned. I just think as we kind of wrap up this first little section of the book of Acts, we learn from them some great things. Remember I said it's an historical narrative. So we read this narrative and we learn, we, we learn from the text how to belong to the body of Christ and to Jesus, how to believe appropriately about God and about what he says of us, and then how to behave as the body of Christ and expect the power of God. So as you read this book, I think as we finish up, I think we're gonna see that healthy churches who belong to one another, belong to God, believe appropriately about God, and then behave, walk in purity and lay hands on the sick, they're generous. They're just doing the things that make Jesus popular. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes in the church world, we're trying to do things to make our brand popular, to make ourselves right, or to have our theology all figured out. I mean, everything they're doing is about making Jesus more popular and more famous. In fact, there's a couple times in the New Testament where it says the, the fame of Jesus spread. And I think that'll allow us to be a healthy church that will experience more of God's power. Now watch So all that stuff that we've seen so far, Acts 1 through 4, and it kind of comes to this verse 12, and it says, now, this is right after Ananias and Sapphira's death. We saw this last week, and people feared God, and they responded to the Lord. Very next verse, now, many signs and wonders, these are the miracles, these are life changes, these are transformations, these are signs and wonders, were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles, underline that, because we're gonna talk about why that's important to understand. And they were all together, there it is again, all together in Solomon's portico, which is like a courtyard where they'd have conversations about faith and they'd have prayer meetings, etc. None of the rest dared join them, which is a really odd verse, took a lot of study on that one. But the people held them in high esteem. I love the language, many signs and wonders, regularly, done among the people. That means it shouldn't be odd when God does the miraculous. It should be regular. It should be normal. Hey, I'm sick. Can you pray for me? Yes, absolutely. I'm believing God to heal you. It should be normal that God does financial breakthroughs for you. It should be normal that God comes through on his word. It should be normal that God restores family. It should be normal that God allows the breakthrough of forgiveness and and relational restoration. Regularly among the people, signs, many signs and wonders were being done. Isn't that great news, everybody? 
That's what I'm talking about, walking in God's blessings all the time. It doesn't say in every Sunday or on the third Sunday or on baptism Sunday, God would show up with one cool thing. All the time, every day, every week, all the time. I believe the blessings of God in our family, in our home, in our job, when you go out to eat, this stuff should be regular. But you gotta remember, they belonged to God and to the community of faith. They believed appropriately about God and his word. And they behaved accordingly, like they were just walking in purity and integrity and they desired, as we've tracked over the last four chapters, they were doing some things that I think cultivated room for God to do what he wants to do. What keeps you from praying for your coworker at work? Maybe you don't think something will happen. Maybe maybe you don't think God will come through. Hey, just step out in faith. You know, it's an awkward thing when you ask somebody, hey, can I be praying for you for something? And then they tell you, and then you just go, let's pray right now. Just take it home. You know, like, you ain't got to right now. No, 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 we're going to pray right now. I've never met anyone who's actually refused prayer. They may have been awkward about the timing because we're in the barber's chair or we're like at a restaurant or we're in front of the commander. You know what I'm saying? Like, hold up, general. As it were, you know, like, I don't know if that's how you talk to your general. But anyway, what keeps you from praying for your boss at work or praying for you? What keeps you from stopping what you're doing, laying hands on someone who's sick or going through something difficult, struggling in the marriage? Regularly, signs and wonders were happening among the people. Now watch. The text says it was happening among the people by the hands of the apostles. Now, some people will read this text and go, well, it's the apostles that have the gift of miracles and healing and all these things. You got you to understand the broad scope of the New Testament here. I want to caution you not to believe that you shouldn't pray for or seek God for miracles because you're not one of the 12 apostles. Clearly, none of you are one of the 12 apostles. Isn't that right? Is there any confusion about that? But you have to remember the timing of when this happened. This was early on in the church, and God was using the apostles to teach the people how to live and function in the miraculous and in this way. Jesus taught the apostles, and now the apostles are teaching the people. There would be a day when the 12 apostles are no longer available, and these people had to learn how to lay hands on the sick, how to pray for one another. So initially, yes, these signs were happening as the apostles were demonstrating and showing, but the implication and what we see throughout the New Testament and what's recorded throughout Christian history is that the people had to take that responsibility to flow in the same Holy Spirit that the apostles did, just like Jesus said, greater things I've done, you will do. And then in the Great Commission, he says, teach them, the followers of Christ, teach the Christians to observe everything I've taught you. So the reason this says done through the hands of the apostles, you gotta remember, God was using the apostles to instruct the people, but the day would come where they become regular in laying on of hands and signs and wonders and miracles. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So don't read a text like this and go, I'm not an apostle, so who am I? You have the same Holy Spirit in you that lived inside of Peter. You can pray in power. You can lay hands on the sick. You can believe God for the miraculous. You can give generously and see God bless your income, bless your business, bless your family, and bless those that you give to because the same Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. I think believing that correctly, remember what I said, we're gonna belong to the body of Christ and to each other. We're gonna believe this correctly. You need to believe that about yourself. You need to believe that God wants to use you. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 16. And these signs will follow those who believe. Did he say the apostles who believe? No, he said these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. Some of y'all's problems with your neighbors is they gotta be exercised, you know what I'm saying? They got a demon and you need to walk over there and just don't say nothing. Just cast it out. 
truthfully, some of us, that's our issue with our own self, with our own issues of sin, our family troubles. We just need to take spiritual authority and realize that the devil has no place in our house, in our family, in our business, in our personal life. We just need to take authority over the devil and kick him in the teeth. Why am I talking like that? I don't even know why. He said, in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. He didn't say the apostles would do this. He said, those who believe will do this. Hey, listen, what else he said? They'll speak in new tongues. This is just normative for the Christian experience. Jesus didn't say only the apostles would do this. He said, for those who believe, they'll lay hands on the sick, sick will recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll even drink deadly poison or be snake bit and not die. I don't encourage that behavior. It's, it's an analogy. It's an allegory. He's saying like when bad things happen to you, I'll protect you. He's definitely not saying go buy some venomous snakes or a bottle of strychnine because that is stupid. <laughs> We've been given a spirit of wisdom, right? Not a spirit of dummy. That's a spirit in another book. Verse 13 is odd. It says, um, it says, um, none of the rest dared join them. And if you read it at first glance, you're like, does that mean nobody else came to church? What does that mean? None of the rest, it's, it's like hotly debated actually among commentaries. But the big, the big idea of this text, and I don't even fully understand, so I'm just being really transparent with you as a pastor. I got to deal with the text. Uh, none of the rest dared join them. Uh, we're going into a story next about the religious leaders, the Jewish non-believers, and uh, numerous commentaries think that this is referring to basically the Jewish leaders were losing their influence because they were no longer converting to Christianity. And so a bunch of the Jewish leaders were no longer converting to faith. But the people held them, the apostles and the Christians, in high esteem. So what we're seeing is this shift, and it's important because of the next door that's coming. This is a transitional statement. We're seeing this shift in, in influence from the Jewish establishment and no more of the Jewish leaders are like joining the body of Christ, right? For some reason at that time. Uh, but now the church is getting a ton of recognition and esteem. It's a little bit of an odd verse kind of tucked in there, but I wanted to kind of explain the best I can what it's about. Verse 15 and 16, this is crazy. So they carried out the sick into the streets and laid hands on them, excuse me, laid, laid them on cots and mats so that as Peter came by, at least even his shadow might fall on some of them. And the reason Luke writes this is to say there was a miracle in the sh Peter's shadow falling on people. And the implication is that literally people were so full of faith that God was gonna heal them through this church that if they, if they even got under Peter's shadow, they got healed. That's why Luke wrote it. He's, like, he's basically telling us like, people got healed even in Peter's shadow. I don't know about you, but that's crazy. But that's how freely God was moving among these people because they were a healthy church. They were a healthy church and God said, I can move with them. I can do stuff with them. I can do great. This is the only place in the Bible that this happens where someone got healed in a shadow. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick, those afflicted with unclean spirits. And they were, say it with me, all healed. Man, I love the exhaustive language here. This is God moving in a healthy church. This is God's power at work. And it wasn't just on a Sunday. It's all the time regular occurrence. And I think that's amazing. Everybody's healed. The people were healed in the shadow of an apostle. I mean, that's nuts. And I cast a big shadow. I could probably get three people lined up in this thing. You know what I'm saying? 
But God chose to heal that way in that day for some reason. And what an amazing God we serve. What an unconventional way Jesus taught, lay hands on the sick. And Peter's like, man, I don't have time to lay hands on them. Put them in my shadow. And they got healed. How great is our God? But how healthy was this group? I think it's like, it's like health in a garden. I think it's like, it's like how, uh, you, you know, you, you can get the best seeds and the best miracle grow and the most water. You can get purified water, but you'll never grow tomatoes in sand. There's something about having a cultivated, healthy garden with good soil, topsoil, nutrients. Everything has to come together at the right time in the right way, and you're never going to grow tomatoes in December. You may have all the right soil and all the right water and everything else and sunshine for two hours, but you're just not going to grow in December. All these things have to coalesce at the same time in the right time, and that's what this church was showing. Man, they belonged to each other. They were growing in their belief with one another. They were behaving in ways that God goes... I can do stuff there. And that's what I'm praying for our church, that we'd be the kind of church. I mean, they walked in purity, generosity. They were healthy. They preached the gospel. That we'd be so committed to these things that God could look at LifePoint. Whether you're here in Phoenix, wherever you're watching, North Campus, Austin P, and God goes, that's a church. That's a part of my body that I can do stuff in. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? And it's not that we make God do stuff. No, 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 let me be clear. We do not boss God around. We do not manipulate God with good behaviors and church attendance. But we show honor to God and to this family and God looks at that and he bestows honor on us. And he's like, man, I can trust them. In fact, in my book, uh, The Parable Church, I talk about this. Here's what happens. Healthy churches then reach more people far from God. I talk about this in The Parable Church. Like my deep desire is that we be a church that's always open and, and ready to receive people who are far from Jesus. Ultimately, we're not a church just for church people. We wanna be a place that anyone can belong and we're gonna grow in our beliefs and we're gonna figure out our beliefs and point towards Jesus and we're gonna behave in a way that reflects Jesus. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of church that people are actually longing for. Not the church that judges them out the front door, not the church that shames them for what they're doing or the church that just excuses all their sinful behavior. We saw last week, the church did not excuse Ananias and Sapphira. They didn't go, you know what, it's no big deal. Just don't do it again, you <laughs> knucklehead. They held them accountable for their sin. And let me tell you something. You are so welcome here. I don't care what you're walking in or doing. And you're also welcome here to let God deal with what you're dealing with. And let him bring purity and holiness into your life. And we as a church have to be committed to that part too, right? But then more people far from God come. Watch this, verse 14. And more than ever... That's ever, that's during the gospels of Jesus. That's more than Acts 1, 2, 3, and 4. I mean, on the first day of the church, Peter preaches a sermon and thousands come to faith. But here it says, but more than ever before, more than ever, believers or new believers or converted believers are added to the Lord. Multitudes, both men and women, which is important, by the way, that we see this New Testament gospel as a full expression of God's kingdom for men and women. Historically, religion was male-dominated, but throughout the New Testament, we see this is an, there's, Paul says there's no distinction between male and female. I mean, obviously you're different and you're beautifully and fearfully and wonderfully made as a male and as a female. That's the Bible for you. And rather than confusing that, let's find our new identity not in a different expression of that, but let's find our new identity in an expression of Jesus 
equally as male and female. You are equally, you're not a better Christian because you're a dude. That was every other faith system in the world. But here it's really important that Luke adds, God is adding more than ever believers to the Lord, men and women. This is why we do anything around here. It's because we want to see people come to faith in Jesus. Can I hear a big amen for that? I mean, ultimately we want, listen, we want to see people draw near to God. In the book, Parable Church, I talk about God's heart to reach people who don't know him. In the story of the prodigal son, it's a clear picture of God's desire to save those who are lost, reach those who are far. I I talk in my book about the responsibility as a church to cultivate a culture and an atmosphere and environment and a church and to be in this way in small groups and be this way as we go out and do into the world as a church people where anyone can come from any background or walk of life and make their way to God. It doesn't matter what you've done. We are a from here forward kind of people. You've had bad relationships, you've had bad behavior, you've done, been bad with your money, you've cursed God and you know, you've been an atheist agnostic, it doesn't matter. Those things may have shaped you before, but Jesus will reshape you. This is why we get born again. This is why we're from here forward. There's no shame for your past. There's forgiveness, there's repentance, there's reconciliation, but we're for here forward movement in the body of Christ. And we wanna be a church that cultivates that kind of, that's how you should talk in your small groups. This is how you should talk at work. Well, is that the kind of church, blah, blah. No, man, we love all kinds of people. What about my alternative lifestyle? What about my sexuality? What about my gambling habits? What about my alcohol? Hey man, God will forget, God will deal with all of that. What about I'm a liar? What about my gossip? God will deal with all of that. What about my gluttony, my pride? What about my gambling habits? God will deal with all that. Come belong, come be a part and let God have his way in you because we're all messed up people getting closer to a really good God. So this result of a healthy church in the book of Acts, this is what I love about the book of Acts. This is why I wanted to preach it because we see this model of a church who's doing it right. The result of a healthy church is that God will entrust to us the people that are far from him. I mean, Why would God look at a mean-spirited, religious, grumpy old church and go, that's where I want to send broken people? Anybody ever stepped into a church like that before? I mean, you get to the lobby almost and you're like, nope. I'm going to Cracker Barrel. I've been a part of that church. That's the kind of church I got kicked out of as a kid. Where you walk in and it's, you don't come from the right background, the right skin color, the right sin issues. You're not from the right religious expression. You didn't come from enough money. If that's the kind of church y'all want life point to be, I'm gonna go find another job. I'm not kidding, because I would hate that. And you should too. And this is the kind of people you need to be at work. It's the kind of people you need to be in your neighborhood all the time. That's when the favor of God, this is why I'm asking you, would we pray about being this kind of people all the time? I pray that we'd be a church that reaches people far from God. And that means we're gonna look messy. That means we're gonna have people on dream teams that we tip our head at and we go, what's she doing on the team? What's he doing on the team? Oh, they're just growing. They may have sin that's a little bit more visible than yours. But they're just growing. They may not be ready to lead and teach, but they're grow- they can serve, they can open a door, right? I mean, we're just, we're trying to figure this out. It might be a little messy, it might look a little imperfect, a little different, and a little amazing. You never see a party in heaven in the Bible 
because church attendance grew with Christians. But the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices when a lost person comes to faith. Can we be a church like that? More than ever, before, can, 20, can the rest of 2021 be a more than ever before year? I mean, we've had fast growth before. We've had lots of people saved here. But can we be a more than ever before kind of year? People are being added to the family of God. Multitudes, both men and women. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? So finally, let's commit to working hard to be healthy. Let's, I'm talking all the time, not just have a great Sunday experience. Let's work hard to be healthy as a people, as a church. I'm prayerful that God would bless us with his presence and with his miracles and with growth and with lost people coming to faith and, and that, that he would bless us every day as his people, not just on Sundays, but in business meetings, board meetings, training missions, while you're driving your kids to school, while you're at the gym, at a restaurant. We are the people of God and his blessings are for us. So we have this role in cultivating this. And what I, I just wanna show you just kind of briefly and then we'll be done some of the behaviors that we saw that we've been seeing so far in the book of Acts. Remember, we wanna to belong to this body of Christ and to Jesus and to each other. We wanna grow and believe appropriately about him. And then we've got some behaviors that we need to commit to that I believe will facilitate a great environment where God goes, I can trust that church with broken people. I can trust that church with lost people. Let me just remind you of some of the highlights and all of this brought healthy growth and miracles and the power of God, because God can trust us. First of all, uh, we see throughout the book of Acts so far, they were committed to community. Large gathering and small gathering. Hey, if you belong to this church, come to church. If you want a social distance, put a mask on. If you're gonna watch faithfully, be faithful and commit to your church. They were committed. There was not a time where they're like, man, I'm gonna go on a boat, it's soccer club. I mean, I got work to do, I got mulching, to, you know, not today. They were so devoted. They met every day. I'm just asking you for a day or two. They're committed to going to church. They were committed to small groups. It said not only in the temple, but house to house, regularly having meals in their homes. Big church, small church, listen, working through their habits, hangups, their problems. This is why we're starting freedom groups in two weeks. This is why we're going through parables as a church in two weeks because we just, we wanna be committed to this community. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Second thing we've seen so far, they are committed to advancing the word of God. They are advancing it by receiving it. They receive the pastor's teaching, the apostle's teaching, the scripture, and they were advancing it by preaching it. In fact, twice, next week, we're gonna see it again. Multiple times, they, got, they preached it so much, they got arrested. And the first time you heard this from Pastor Bo, I think preached the text, they were arrested and they're brought before the religious leaders. Can you imagine getting arrested and brought to a pastor, not a judge? How weird is that? <laughs> like the cops come and get you and they're like, here, I'm taking you down to First Baptist to see Pastor Ronnie. You know, like, <laughs> he's my friend, by the way. He's a great pastor. I'm so thankful First Baptist got a pastor. Pastor Ronnie's amazing. But can you imagine? You've been arrested and they bring you to the religious leaders and they said, we charge you never again to preach in Jesus' name. And Peter's like, I don't answer to you. I answer to God, so cut my head off if you want, but I'm gonna keep preaching. And so they're so frustrated, they just let them go. Y'all remember this in Acts 4, and then they go back to their buddies, they're like, you're never gonna believe it, they arrested us, told us not to preach in Jesus' name. Ah, let's pray to do more, let's go preach some more. They were just so, so committed to advancing the word of God. I believe one of the greatest, the greatest problem in our culture is people don't follow the God of the scripture. They don't know the word, and you get an opportunity to bring that to them every day. 
They were faithful and fervent in prayer. We're in 21 days of prayer. You have no excuse not to pray, right? But they were faithful and fervent in prayer. They prayed about everything. They prayed all the time. I mean, you go, I I started reading back through the texts in uh, Acts one through four and just chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, every chapter talks about their prayer lives. We're in 21 days of prayer. I wanna encourage you to move from having prayer times to having a prayer life. They also sought the power of God. In Acts four, they go, and now Lord God, give us more of your power so that we can keep reaching. In Acts chapter two, they in an upper room, praying, seeking God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for the power of God. Man, they just pursued the power of God. Lord, would you, here's, here's a way that you can do that. Every day on your drive into work or your walk to work or your commute to work, just tell the Lord, God, I am so ready and available to you today. Would you use me mightily today? God, would you let me speak life into somebody today? Lord, would you use these hands to lay hands on somebody? God, help me to bring encouragement to a couple that's on the verge of divorce. Lord, God, use me. You can have all of me. I am open to the power of God. Lord, I'm a banker. I'm a telemarketer. I'm a principal. I'm a teacher. I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. I'm a school, I'm a school nurse. I'm a stay-at-home parent. But Lord, you can use me today however you want to use me. Let the power of God flow in me. Come on, can we just be committed to that? They were seeking the power of God. They were incredibly generous. I just wish I could have gone to church services. Like if I could time warp and go to a church service, I wanna hear the offering appeal. You know what I'm talking about? The church service, we do three songs, we do the greeting, and we just beg people to do the next steps. That's life point. And then I come up and we go, hey, and if you you like to give, please give. But man, I'd love to hear them. Guys, are y'all kidding? We got a generosity moment. We got some people with some need and they're like, oh man, sell my goat. Sell my land, sell my donkeys, get it out of here. Just go take care of the needs of the people. They were so incredibly generous. You know how generous they were? It says they never had a need. God just took care of their needs. Can you imagine being so generous that you never needed for nothing except good grammar, because that sentence was terrible. God just took care of everything. Listen, we don't give to get, we give to give. They were so generous. We're praying about giving a day's wages. Pray about giving 10. Pray about giving 20 days wages, who cares? It's all God's anyway. They were protective of purity. Man, they didn't let sin in the camp. I, I think the Ananias and Sapphira story as a pastor, as a leader, reminded me, listen, it reminded me of the sacred obligation that we have to represent Jesus well to not hide. I actually shared with another leader recently who was basically hurting his church by doing some derelict things. And I was like in tears, I was in a meeting with him and I just said to him, I was like, hey man, you have a sacred obligation to care for those people. You don't get to live in the flesh because they trust you. These are God's people and he is serious about sin. And we saw that in Ananias and Sapphira, they protected purity. There's a non, I think it's not in the Bible, but we say there's a Bible verse that says, you ever notice we say that? Like the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. No, it doesn't. It's not in the Bible. But sin is fun for a season, but in its end, it reaps devastation. It's something like that. There's a verse that kind of loosely says that. But the reality is we think sin is like something that God's kind of cool with or whatever. But man, they had a protection of purity in the house. And here's the other thing about these people. They were so passionate for the missing. I mean, Peter, 
when he was in prison, could have said, well, you know, I've already got my church and they've heard me preach all my sermons anyway. I mean, I've already preached all of them. But because of his passion for the lost, he's like, kill me if you want, but I'm gonna go out and keep preaching. And they're so passionate for the person who's not found Jesus yet. And I'm telling you, that's the kind of church God goes, I can do something with those people. I can do miracles in that group. I can be fruitful among them because it's good soil, it's good ground, it's a great environment. Those are the behaviors of this New Testament church, these beliefs that they had, these belonging moments that they had where God was able to do much among them. Can I hear a big amen, everybody? That's what I want for us, LifePoint. That's who I want us to be, that we would be that kind of church, that kind of environment where you can belong here, learn how to believe appropriately, submit your life to God, allow sin to be purified out of you. And man, let's watch God do miracles, signs and wonders regularly. Most of all, seeing lost people come to faith in our glorious God. God, we love you and honor you today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the book of Acts, how powerful it is, how true it is, how good it is. God, we thank you that you would give us opportunity to walk in signs and wonders and miracles as a church family. Lord, if any of us is, is, is needing this word today and needing to respond, we respond right now, God, with repentance, with submission. And God, we say, Lord, use us the way you used them. Let us be a church like that where you'd regularly see people saved more than ever. I pray that we would have the next 12 months would be a more than ever year for LifePoint Church. We'd see more people saved, more dollars given, more ministries started, more groups happening. Because Lord, we desire to be a church where you are moving mightily in Jesus' name. Could you just pray this with me, everybody? Come on, just open our hands to the Lord. Even as you're watching online and stay with us because Pastor Christian will join you on our online campus in just a moment. Everybody pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in Jesus, that he died for my sin and to give me a new life. This is the life I want as a part of the body of Christ, as a part of the church, to live in a way that honors you, that pleases you, that makes a difference in this world, in Jesus' name. I pray this and mean it. Say, God, forgive me of my sin. Transform me, Lord. I will walk with you and for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Come on, amen. I love you, LifePoint Church.